It takes more than great inversion of control skills to be a great engineer. This is Soft Skills Engineering episode 120. I'm your host, Dave Smith. I'm your host, Jameson Dance. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice show for software engineers about non-technical topics. Inversion of control is like, I mean, you could invert control of your relationships, right? That could be non-technical. And like, well, who would control it? Control them. Just the other person. Uh, <laughs> so if you're the maniacal controlling one, you could just <laughs> hand that over to the other person? I don't know. <laughs> oh, it's been too long. I'm out of practice on yeah. dumb puns. <laughs> Inversion of control freaks. That's, yeah. That's where you take the closest control freak and you turn them upside down. Okay. Yeah. Um, like to punish them or just... For the same reason you do inversion of control. No one knows why. You just do Okay. It. <laughs> we have some patrons we want to thank. Thank you so much to Zeidiger and Alex Freiberg and Thomas Connell. They all uh, donated at the $10 a month level, so they get one-time shout-outs. You are great. Also, we have our stupendous 20 and above level donations who get shout-outs every single podcast. Thank you so much to Zach Grannon, David Jackson, Dustin Coates, Nick Cantar, Dimitro and Neonilla, Sean Clayton, and Ken Howard. Thank you so much. You help keep the podcast going. We are finishing up some design stuff, so we might have stickers soon. Ooh, yes. A prettier Twitter avatar. And I don't know. Mm-hmm. We, we, yeah, you'll see the fruits. Absolutely. Hopefully. The leftover fruits after I bought very expensive imported fruits with all the money. <laughs> There's some fruit called snake fruit from Indonesia. Oh, yeah? It's worth every thousand of dollars a pound. (laughs) (laughs) You've had this? Uh, Actually, I did, but I haven't imported it yet. Is it literally a thousand dollars a pound? No, I don't know how much it is. Okay. I'll look it up. I'll let you know. Maybe it'll be a stretch goal. (laughs) Donate this much and you get to know Jameson is using your donation to eat (laughs) snake fruit. I've never heard of this. Um, I don't even remember if it, if it was good or not. I just, it was just, it was just one of those like unique fruits that you don't have here. And you're okay. only allowed to eat it on your yacht. I, yeah, yeah, it dissolves. It's, that's why it's so expensive. It has yacht tracking built into it. <laughs> <laughs> it's got DRM. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, patrons. You help keep these incredible jokes coming. If you want to become a patron, you can go to our website and click support the show, or you can go to patreon.com slash soft skills ENG and join this illustrious crew. That's right. Uh, Dave, do you want to read our first question? Sure. This comes from an anonymous listener who writes, how do managers make firing decisions during company-wide cuts? Recently, our company went through spending cuts and X percentage of people were laid off as part of this exercise. On one fateful day, our manager informed us that he let go John Doe as he had to fire someone. I'm going to assume John Doe is an alias. It would be really unfortunate if your name was actually John Doe. That would be actually a really good reason to fire somebody is because you could claim it was keeping them anonymous. But <laughs> like no one will ever believe it was actually John Doe. Okay, so uh, he let go John Doe. Overall, John Doe was a decent senior developer and was with the company for 10 plus years. My gut feeling is that he was let go because he simply didn't or couldn't move to management and was too old for a developer position. Does ageism play a role when a firing decision has to be made based on non-performance reasons? I'm shocked, shocked to hear reports of possible ageism. Why? That sounds unthinkable. I thought we eradicated ageism when we eradicated polio. (laughs) Uh, yeah, that, that stinks. I'm sorry to hear that. Layoffs are never fun. Even if you get left behind, people you know and liked are gone. And I've never been around layoffs where everyone was like, you know, 
that was tough but fair. Like the right people stayed and the right people got let go and the company really is in a stronger financial position. Just like you said, CEO person. Just like you it's said always, it would. Yeah, yeah. You know, this was a tough time, but we did come through stronger than ever. You're right. I do like this bold new direction. <laughs> I can feel the the sleek performance increases. Mm-hmm. Um, when I slim down, I just get hungry and then I feel miserable. <laughs> so I think that's what happens to companies too. They just get hungry and sad. <laughs> and not the good startup hungry where you're like hungry to devour the competition or the VC money or whatever. I don't know. The bad hungry where you're just cranky. The headache kind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so does it play a role? Hmm. I, you know, I think that I, it's hard to speak for the whole species of human beings. But I'm going to do it anyway. Is it then? <laughs> but I'll, I'll be the judge of how hard it is. <laughs> Seems pretty easy for you. It's pretty easy. Um, I, I would find it. I mean, let's say you had a, a 75-year-old developer who's just working, doing great work, produces awesome product, does a great job. Um, would they get laid off just strictly because they're older than everyone else? I don't know. I don't I don't know. I, I find that hard to swallow. That strictly age. Um, that that there's a room where people sit and like rank people by age and say, "Well, these are the oldest people. We got to get rid of them." You're right. saying you don't think that happens very I, often. I don't think that happens. What I do think happens is that there are other factors that are correlated with age, such as probably the number one thing, compensation. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of factors. Like compensation is one. If you're trying to cut costs, there's also, I would say more experienced people tend to be more sure of themselves and and maybe more willing to rock the boat in some cases so like they could be seen as like not wanting to fall in line because they know they may they might know more they've seen things done different ways at other places um yeah I, I think i get what you're saying i wouldn't say that it never happens i'm sure there are places where people are explicitly making decisions based on age which is super legal by the way and should not happen mm-hmm. but does i'm sure I know that like in law firms, for example, there are certainly partner tracks, right? And if you have been at the firm for X number of years, where X is usually single digits, and you're not clearly on the partner track, they will fire you. And it's like very clear. Everyone knows this is how it works, right? Yeah. It's up or out. Um, I haven't seen that in the engineering field, at least not explicitly stated. Isn't that in the Netflix culture slide deck? Up or out? I don't know if they use that exact phrase, but it's, it's more like people should be progressing and advancing and if they're not then we give them a generous severance package there's like 18 slides in that deck that end with and then we give them a generous severance package (laughs) yeah there are i'm pretty sure that's one of them though um yeah i don't i don't know um i don't remember that from the netflix culture deck but it it sounds like it would fit right in well i'll tell everyone that it's in there then without Mm -hmm. checking so like if it's if money was the factor here, you know, it, there can be a pretty big difference between junior developer salaries and senior developer salaries. Like, you know, if there's a difference in 20 years of experience, you could easily be talking about double or more difference in salary. So it could yeah. be that laying off John Doe actually saved your job because they only had to lay off one John Doe instead of John Doe and you. Yeah, yeah. the the whole decision-making behind this gets weird and fuzzy, and if you're not a psychopath, always feels bad. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because you start putting numbers to people and, like, how much do they make? Okay, how much do they contribute? Like, what number do we assign to how much it'll affect this project? Mm -hmm. Or, I don't know. You Like, you have to... 
if these constraints are imposed on you from the outside, whether like your company doesn't have enough money or some high muck says cut X percentage of your budget, you, you have to do this hard thing and it's and it's hard to come to a decision that doesn't hurt people because it's a hurtful thing. Yeah. And you know, as you were talking about that, I realized I was I was thinking to myself, have I ever had to make a layoff decision like this? Uh, the answer is no. I don't think you have either, right, Jameson? Nope. Never never had to make budgetary layoffs like yeah me neither and i thought to myself i wonder how many people actually have to do this and then i realized there are a lot of companies who effectively do this every year because they do stack ranking where they have to actually put everyone and every team in order and they are forced to pick a certain number of low performers certain number of high performers you know etc and i'll bet you that makes it a lot easier to do layoffs when layoff time comes because you're in the habit of putting people in this order you know? Yeah. The, I mean, we could pivot this question to be about how stupid stack ranking is. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that's stupid because it's, yeah. it's it's per team and teams are not all equally talented and skilled. If you cut oh, yeah. like 10% of every team, that's not going to cut like the worst performing 10% of the company. It's, no, you might cut out some of the best performers if yeah. you have a high performing team. But but you're saying that that could be a way to avoid having to explicitly say like, we don't have enough money. We have to do layoffs. I was actually thinking it was more like a conspiracy theory, like stack ranking is motivated. Oh, it's by, to desensitize us. Yeah, so that we're always ready to do that layoff. If someone comes to you and says 10% staff cuts, it's like, oh, I've already got my list. It's in sorted order. Huh. Yeah. That, that's just kind of a... Kind of a I've, I've heard enough stories and been around layoffs enough to feel like it's not always necessarily just who are the lowest performers. I was part of layoffs at a company where it wasn't by performance at all. It was basically um, reverse order of tenure at the company. It was it was kind of like, we want to show loyalty to the people who've been here the longest. Mm. Sorry, people who joined us most recently, but we're, we're letting all of you go. And then there was one exception that was kind of like a an indispensable person and they wanted to get rid of, they, they didn't like the, the amount of dependencies that had built up on the team around the indispensable person. Oh, even though this person had a longer tenure? Yeah, yeah. Um, but but even among that, that, that was what it looked like to me. But there were other patterns that you could see in who got laid off that, I mean, I'm pretty sure the, the oldest developer at the company was part of that group. They joined more recently. Um, there were some people who were kind of cultural outliers that joined more recently as the company mm. diversified a little bit and they were all laid off. And so there, there, I don't think there's always one easy explanation. And even if there is... I don't think they said it explicitly. I don't oh, think they sure, explicitly sure, said no. like we got rid of the newest people because we we want to reward the people that have stuck around the longest. Yeah, I think that's that's the thing I've also seen. That's maybe the most common thing I've seen, which is like the explanations given are not convincing, um, and and leave people guessing. And if there's a meta point about this, that's what I would make. That I haven't done it, so I, maybe it's impossible. But I feel like. You would want to clearly explain, even if it's painful, here's why this happened. Here's why we made these decisions that we did so that it seems less arbitrary and weird and it's less clear. Like, well, so I don't know, maybe maybe there are talented people let go. But but you you say like, well, this project under these constraints are less important. And this is the project they're working on. Or I don't know. I don't even know if that's possible, though. Yeah, I mean, you, you said you want to make it seem less arbitrary. Like in order for that to come true, you actually have to make it not arbitrary in the first place, which I think is probably not the case in most layoffs, right? Yeah. I mean, there, there, there have to be some reasons, but maybe they're not reasons that you can stand up yeah. and admit to a group of people. That's, ex- that's exactly what I'm <laughs> maybe saying. Maybe it's yeah. like, this is the least politically covered team 
so it's easier to lay people off from this team and that's not a thing you want to say to the well i have the remaining know, people on that team like, i know uh, this manager's on the fast track to vp and i really don't want to make him mad so yeah i'm gonna lay off someone from this other team who had got a bad performance review last year i mean you can't this say that, person right? shot my idea down once in a meeting <laughs> and it's time for my revenge i mean it's yeah. i've been on the other side of the desk from a couple of firings and even in those cases where the performance was very clear that they needed to be let go, it was still almost impossible to tell them. And we've, we've had this question before where, like, yeah. you know, if you get fired, should you ask for feedback and try to get a clear understanding of why? Or rather, if you have to fire someone, should you try to give them all this feedback on their way out the door? And, and our conclusion was no, like, that's just not the time to do it. And I think I'm pretty sure I waffled because I waffle about everything. It sounds <laughs> unlike me to say no firmly. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But I think we eventually wandered back towards like, no, the person won't be in a, in a place to handle it. And so like, I don't think you'll ever get a layoff or very, very rarely will you ever see a layoff where it's like, okay, here are the reasons. It makes sense to everyone and it's all clear and there's no question. Yeah, but this is, I mean, the fact that the question asker is bringing up ageism, uh, people are so quick to jump to, to explanations yep. and they're often not, kind because people aren't feeling kind because it's a bad crappy situation yeah so i mean wouldn't it be better to give an uncomfortable explanation versus let people think well clearly it's ageism which is real bad to think about your company that's true so you're saying don't leave the door open for more nasty interpretations i think if you can yeah just say I, out loud so. this wasn't ageism and everyone will be like oh phew <laughs> Well, it really worried. looks like it, but you cleared up my concerns. Man, whew, I feel better. Yeah, John Doe made X amount of money, and you all make X minus a large percentage. So, <laughs> See, that's the thing. It was clear. It's so hard. <laughs> it was either him or three of you. <laughs> he made three times as much as us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, the, the, the clear solution is be so successful that you never have to have layoffs. Well, that's easy. Just only hire people that for the rest of their lives perform exceedingly well and only make business decisions that always work out. Exactly. Perfect. And then you don't have to exercise this skill or worry about it at all. We have found the root of this problem and we dug it up. Or just encourage skydiving in your employees. You get natural attrition. <laughs> yeah, just as, as they age, you just start encouraging more and more risky behaviors. <laughs> Just slide over in a performance review, slide over a piece of paper that has a list of drugs on it. And like, you know, I've heard these are good. No, just start giving out gift certificates to really dangerous things. Like, yeah, we know you always wanted to try out a wingsuit ride. Here you go. <laughs> oh, I feel bad about this question. I feel like we joked a lot about scary things because it's easier than talking about how painful they are. Just like actual layoffs. Yeah, it's... <laughs> <laughs> It's too uncomfortable to give real advice. I think I think your answer is right though, that in most cases it might be it might be bias influencing their decisions, but it I, I agree that it's un, unlikely to be directly saying like this person is above fifty five and we hate people above fifty five. It's more like they sure are expensive and we need to cut costs. Mm-hmm. And twenty two year olds are less expensive. Uh not every engineer has developed the ability to market themselves and really make leadership aware of the strengths that they bring to the table and make no mistake experience brings a lot of strengths and value but if oh, you're yeah. not it's it's not the kind of stuff that shows up in the in the jira ticket queue 
you know, necessarily. So I guess we've kind of pivoted to how to protect yourself from ageism, but uh, I think you need to make sure it's clear in management's mind why you're so valuable, even though you're making twice as much as the kids just out of college. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, that's a good point. The value starts to get diffused a little bit more Mm -hmm. where instead of, in my experience, it's, it's not as much that you pump out twice as many Jira tickets. Like you said, it's that you take on harder things. You're better at uncovering unknowns. You, you, you support larger groups and make them all more productive. And that's all stuff that's less visible by our crappy systems than just like, yeah. how many things did you put in the right bin? Right. <laughs> so what about this question about, um, the feeling that he was let go because he didn't want to, or couldn't move into management? Oh, Is that yeah. a thing you've heard of or encountered? Yeah, that's a, that's a very interesting question. Um, not every company has a good individual contributor track. And there definitely is a mentality that if you are more experienced, you should be leading engineers. You know, you should be in management. Uh, I felt that. Have you felt that, Jameson? Like, have you kind of seen that? Yeah, I, I think it's definitely a clear path that you can follow. I've also, I've definitely run into people that love to influence purely technically and they they have to forge their own path a little bit more. There's there's less of a groove, right? It, mm-hmm. If if you are a talented engineer and you're like reasonably good with people, then it's very easy, not easy that that it's it's natural. I th- yeah, there 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 are clear steps that you follow that kind of lead to management. It's definitely not easy and also uh it's probably easier for me than people that look different from me. But it's a path lots of people have trod before. Right. Whereas the, yeah. the high-paid individual contributor influencer but not manager is only recently, I feel like, have companies really started to establish, maybe in the last decade, establish tracks like that. I'm fortunate enough to work for one that has very clearly defined roles and responsibilities at different levels of non-management engineers. And there are non-management individual contributor engineers at every level of our org chart except the tippy top. And hmm. so... Um, not as many though, by the way, uh, <laughs> yeah. as managers. So it's not like a hundred percent equal. Yeah. That's a good point. I, we have similar paths in our org chart, but I agree about the numbers that it's there. There are way more like at each level, the higher up you go, there are way more managers than, than these fabled superhero individual contributors, but they are around and it can happen. But I, I guess my point is that if that's what you want, you probably have to work for it a little bit more deliberately than if you yeah. want management, where if you work for it, people will be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen this before. Like, yeah, you're yep. talented and you're good with people. And OK, do these things, then you can step up to this next responsibility or whatever. Yep. So I think that your intuition is very possibly right on. Ageism may have played a factor, especially if it's a derivative factor of ageism, like compensation and the non-management Whoa. thing. Well, yep. You went into calculus. <laughs> you lost me. If you integrate over money, you get age. Okay. Um, and, it, and if you derive by age, you get money. Someday I'll finish. The Calc 2 is the one remaining thing between me and my degree. <laughs> oh, yeah. And when I finish it, I'll go back and listen to this episode and I'll understand it. And you'll be like, oh, that's what he meant. Wait, Dave's an idiot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it didn't actually mean anything. <laughs> no. The wisdom will unfold into my mind like a flower. <laughs> all right have we answered this question i think so good luck and i'm sorry you had to go through those layoffs yeah all right i will read the next one this is from an another this is from another anonymous listener i'm in my early 30s i have a spouse and a small child and i work remotely as a software engineer 
One of my peers, let's call him James, is about 10 years younger than me, works on site, and is single. He is a good developer and really friendly. The problem I have is that this job is his life. It isn't uncommon for James to work 14-hour days, including weekends sometimes, submitting code for a review at midnight and then back to work bright and early the next day. This is not at all encouraged by my company. Most everybody comes in at 9 and leaves at 6. I feel a little bit bad for James because I get the sense that he's lonely and doesn't have much time and doesn't have much going for him outside of work. It's frustrating working with a peer who puts in way more time at work when my home life literally makes this level of dedication impossible. James receives a lot of praise for the hard problems he works on after hours. I know my performance is fine and I don't need the praise per se, but it's frustrating to feel that I'm going to be prepared that I'm going to be compared to him informally by my coworkers in terms of what we get done and formally as promotion opportunities come up. I honestly wish someone in management would ask him to not work after hours, but that's probably not going to happen. Thoughts on how to handle this? It's clear you must sabotage James. Ooh. Well, if you want to uh-huh. get medieval, yeah, you could do lots of stuff besides <laughs> that, though. You Break could a finger or two? Is that, slowly you raise that, his there? standing desk just a millimeter every day until it ruins his posture and then... Well, if he works 14-hour days, his posture is actually probably ruined already. <laughs> He's way ahead of you on that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what if you sneak into his settings and slow down the keyboard key repeat rate on his keyboard every day by a little bit? I would notice that instantly. Oh, you. The second someone touched. Oh, if you did it a little bit every day? Okay. Yeah, maybe that. Yeah take down the clock frequency on his cpu just a little bit every day yeah if you just gradually made his computer crappier and crappier what if you took his escape key and replaced it with a touch bar to sabotage him (laughs) yeah i don't know what their long-term plan is but they've demonstrated success so far so i'm sure it'll work out well for him i'm sure somehow sabotaging me will be good for them uh yeah you gotta just Torpedo's ability to get work done. Um, teach him Haskell. <laughs> <laughs> distract him with functional programming. <laughs> yeah, distract him with things that are just deep, enticing puzzles that lots of people don't use to get real work done. Um, I make fun of Haskell because I like it. Uh, yeah, this is interesting. This this is a really hard situation, and I'll and I'll tell you why. Management just can't say no to people like this. It's like it's like a habit-forming drug. When you have someone who works for you, they put in ultra hours, they don't get burned out, they love what they do, and they do good work. And it's like, wait, I'm getting 40% more engineer for the price of one? Like, it's really hard to say no. Yeah, what's what's the cost to them? It's like, maybe in like five years, they'll be burnt out, but they'll be several jobs away from working for you <laughs> by then, most likely, so. I mean, I had a, I had a CTO who we had a, a, an employee like this and uh, the CTO was just thrilled. You know, he was like, I'm not going to stop him. You know, I mean, now he, he, I'll tell you what he didn't do though, is he did not shout this guy's praises to all the other engineers. And he certainly did not make it uh, obvious that he was favoring this guy. And, and frankly, I don't think he did favor him. Um, but he also didn't discourage him. Not a little, not even a little bit. You know, he was just super thrilled that he would do that kind of work. So you're saying uh, the question asker wanted someone from management to step in and say, don't work after hours. And you're saying that's unlikely to happen, right? Well, it's, I mean, a wise manager will see the conundrum here. And the conundrum is I'm creating an artificial, accidental, inflated set of expectations for everyone else, right? On the one hand. On the other hand, he's getting a lot of work done. 
James, and I like that work that he's getting done, and it's helping me to meet my goals faster. So how do I do that? How do I balance those two things? Yeah, it's, it is a tricky balance. Like, if you're worried about being compared to this person, I mean, if you're being measured on your productivity and output, then if they get more done, like, what's unfair about that comparison? That's, that's what my more cynical side of my brain is saying. Like, that's how it works, right? Like, people get compared based on how much they get done if he puts in a lot more time and gets more done, not just, like, puts in more time without much to show for it, then... Maybe, maybe James deserves these praises. But the other part is um, there are so many things that go into how much time you can put in. Like the question asker mentioned, having a family is one thing. Um, some people have responsibilities outside of work besides family. Some people just, uh, I don't think everyone can just sit down and program for 14 hours a day. I don't think I've ever been like that, even when I was 20. Um, there, there, there are all kinds of reasons. Some of them come, some of them, your your background or culture or socioeconomic status goes into some of them as well. And and mm-hmm. like we want to be fair in comparing people, not just say like, well, this person has these best circumstances and is making the most of them. So they get they get even more than they already have. I know. That's uh it's true. But like at the end of the day, he is producing more, right? And and Yeah, at, that's that's the tricky part. At, yeah, like you don't want to punish someone. At and, you know, I think the, the answer to this question is, as a manager, you have to make it clear what your standard of expectation, what your standard of productivity is. And if someone is exceeding that standard, great. If other people are exceeding that standard, but not as much, also great. Um, and I think what it comes down to is that compensation is an individual affair, right? And, you know, you, this question makes one big assumption, I think, which is that all these people are compensated, uh, you know, in a nice proportional fair way according to their contributions. And the fact is, that's probably not the case. In fact, James is so obsessed with work, there's a good chance he hasn't worried about his compensation at all, and and he may be making less than you, (laughs) you know? That is a thing I've seen more often than these people being paid extremely well, actually. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, if they were motivated by money, they wouldn't be focusing so much on this on like, you know, cranking out the code at midnight and whatnot, you know, they'd be coming up with ways yeah. to use that time to make more money because every marginal hour you spend beyond your, you know, minimum expectation is is an hour you're donating. And if this guy was really obsessed with money, he probably wouldn't be doing it. Yeah. But what about, so in an ideal world, you would have these objective measures of here's what we expect at each position and, and here's where you're measuring up against these expectations. Mm-hmm. But people's brains don't work like that. We're just, we look at what's around us. So I, I think the question asker is making the argument that like um, if they ask for a raise or there's a promotion that they'll they'll just be measured against this person's against James's output because people will look around to see what's close by yeah. and say like well James works twice as much as you do like why do you deserve a raise and and when that and, happens then I think you can address that concern but until that happens I think you might be worrying about something that may never happen yeah it's possible yeah it's possible. I don't know that I have a good answer for this question. As a manager, I have worked with people who work a lot and I've had conversations with them, basically bringing up my concern at that point is that they're going to burn out, that they're feeling that they're working because they feel pressure or that they're working at an unsustainable pace. And um, depending on how that conversation goes, people have slowed down or they've they've just said like, this is just what I like to do. I just want to do this. And I'm not going to say, don't do it if you like to do it and you f- if you feel like it's healthy. 
if I detect signs of burnout, I would step in more and say, hey, I know you like to, but I'm seeing these things, which make me think it's not good for you in the long term. But if they seem like their life is going okay, living that way, and then I don't know. I I feel like a person this motivated, it would be pretty demotivating to say like, you have to not work this much yeah. because they might do it because they're really interested in the problem or they really like the company and, and it might dislodge something in them. That's what I'd be worried about, I guess. And then you wouldn't get all this extra free labor? Is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then I wouldn't get all the extra free labor. No, it'd be more like they, they would... It, it wouldn't be like they would go from working twice as much to a normal amount. It's that they would, they would like, what is the reason for it? I think I'd be worried they would, it it would tip them over into burnout, I guess, Mm. where part of what makes that amount of work possible is because it feels meaningful. And if I say it's not meaningful, like it's just a job, man, don't worry about it. Then they'll be like, it is just a job. What am I doing with my life? And then they'll quit and join the circus. Exactly. Maybe that's, (laughs) maybe I should do that because maybe they would be happier. (laughs) I don't know. Ugh. What should I do, Dave? I, I think that you need to, as a manager, you got to make it clear to everyone on the team that their performance is an individual affair between you and them and that you will make it clear to them if they're underperforming and you will make it also clear to them what they need to do to get to the next level. And I'll tell you what, like as a manager, being in a position where someone comes to you and says, here's what I want, what do I need to do to get it? And you create a plan together that gets them there and then watch them deliver on that plan and then give them what they ask for. That's great. And... Yeah. Never in that conversation does it ever need to come up, well, James is working 14 hours a day. You know, it's like, no, let's talk about you. Let's talk about what you're doing and what you can contribute. And let's come up with an agreement where you can get to the next level where you want to go. Yep. And I think if you keep that conversation individual, then you can forego and bypass a lot of this painful stuff. So if if that's the advice you're giving to this person's manager, what about to the actual question asker? You're, you're saying you should probably go to your manager and say this to them, the, the inverse of that. Say like, hey, I, I want these things. What can I do to get them? And make that conversation about you instead of about, instead of just waiting for something to come up and then let people compare you to James. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Get Yeah, I think so. Try to get ahead of the comparison to where you say, all right, you know, I want to make sure that I am performing well. And uh, that, you know, in your eyes, everything is good. And if it's not, I want to have an honest and frank discussion with you and and get it all squared away. And I I might not even mention James um, other than to express concern (laughs) for James. because I have concern for James. (laughs) He may be. Yeah, I do too. (laughs) I mean, if James is causing everyone else on the team to feel inadequate or vulnerable, then this could actually be a problem. It could be impacting the team, you know, and you should probably... I mean, I don't know if it's your place to assess that, but it's definitely your manager's place. I think it's definitely your manager's place to set clear expectations for performance. And if those expectations are being set implicitly by the person who works the longest hours, then that is a problem. And I think you can say, hey, I'm worried I'm being measured unfairly against this person. Like, what, what is good performance to you? Is it hours? Is it how much I get done? Is it how well we communicate? What, what lets you know that people are performing well? So it's not just like, down to this workaholic person. Yeah, definitely. I think that's really smart. Yeah, I like that. Good stuff, Dave. You said good things after I admitted no. to everybody I am, am bad at things. <laughs> Not true. Um, have we answered the question? Question answered. All right. Good luck. Let us know what happens. Tell James we're worried about him. Yeah. <laughs> Tell James to give us a call. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. What can people do if they want to give us a call? 
<laughs> go hit softskills.audio and click on ask a question. You can fill out all the information you like or leave everything blank and we'll just try to interpret what you meant. Yes. And if you want to support the show, keep listening, tell people about it. Or if you want to support us financially, you can go to our website and click support the show or to patreon.com softskillsng. Thank you so much for listening. We will catch you next week.